everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Mindset to Mastery, the podcast. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes. And in our 30-minute weekly podcast, we provide you with tips, strategies, and actionable items to help you change your mindset and master your success. So today's episode comes from a, a Q&A um, that was submitted um, during a session that I was moderating. And a big question that someone posed was, what do you do when people just don't listen? And we were talking about how to be more effective, how to um, outline your outcomes, how to work towards a goal, how to make sure that your vision is in alignment with the mission of the organization and, and moving forward and aligning all of your actions with that. And, and that question stuck out to me because this person, as well as other people that agreed with them, felt that no matter how many team meetings they participated in, how many times they had these alignment sessions to make sure that they were on track and on, and on point with the rest of the people in their organization and their team that they worked with, they felt as if they just weren't being heard. And so the question became, what do you do when they just don't listen. And I had to go back and think about it because I believe that there is a, an art, a science, and a psychology of effective communication. It's about style and substance. It's about understanding what you want to convey as well as what you want to compel them to do and being on the receiving end of that. So when we're talking about having these conversations and, and a lot of difficult conversations are happening now in workspaces and in communities and, and, and personally and professionally, in particular around issues of diversity and inclusion and equity and race and gender and, and all of these different ways in which people are trying to navigate working together, existing together, collaborating together and making an impact together. So I wanted to talk a bit about what do you do when they just won't listen or they don't listen? What do you do when you feel as if you have no voice? What do you do when you feel as if no matter what you say or what you do, it all is shifted by the perception or the expectation of the person that you're trying to communicate with? And so in this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about what it means to build that trust and what it means to come to the table ready to give and to receive and what it means and what it looks like when you're actually trying to bridge that gap um, between you and another party where you feel like you just cannot see eye to eye. So I want to start off by, you know, I'm a storyteller and I, I love setting the stage by, by telling stories. I want to start out by having you think about a scenario and this one happens all the time and a lot of times people really don't notice what's going on. So I want you to picture that you are in a, um, a team meeting and or you're in a meeting with other people and everyone is sitting there and they're paying attention to the speaker, the person who is giving the information, um, maybe they're talking about goals or, or um, next steps or action plans or what have you. But you're all sitting in this big room and some of you are, you know, you're at little smaller rounder table, round tables and you're listening to the speaker and the speaker gives an assignment and they, they say, I want you to turn to the people at, at your tables and I want you to discuss 
what your takeaways are from this, what you see as being the obstacles um, moving forward, and then what suggestion you would give as far as what you think we should do in terms of addressing this issue. This issue. So you go around the table and, and people start giving their, their input and you know one person is saying that they really don't see that this is a major issue because it's not something that affects them. Um, you know, they think that people are kind of blowing it out of proportion and that they, um, they really don't see why they're spend, you're spending so much time actually talking about this. And the other people at the table, two or three of you, are, are very much affected by the issue. You feel that you're not being heard. You feel that the policies and the procedures that are outlined really don't apply to you and, and they don't support you. Um, you don't feel as if even though there are, are policies and procedures and standard operating guidelines that are put in place, you really don't feel as if when you and other people that look like you bring it up, bring up issues, that they're really being taken seriously. So what do you do in that situation? Now, if you're like most people who feel marginalized or who have gone through several scenarios where they don't feel as if they're being listened to and they don't feel as if their voice is being heard and their opinions matter, you might just swallow it and just sit back and say, you know what, I'm not even gonna say anything because I know this person isn't going to listen. I know this person isn't going to hear me. But your colleague, on the other hand, is passionate. Your colleague, on the other hand, is someone who feels that every opportunity that they have to speak up and to shed light on something, even if it's a difficult conversation, is something that they should take advantage of because in their words, how can we expect people to change if we don't try to tell them any different? So the two of you have very contrasting re responses to this. So you decide that you're gonna sit back and listen and not say a whole lot. And hopefully your silence will speak for you. Your colleague, on the other hand, decides to pose a question. What is it about this scenario or this situation or this policy that makes you feel that as a woman and a woman of color, I am welcome to add my voice to the conversation. Now, two things about this. One, someone can take this as being off-putting and they could say, oh, you know what? They're trying to pick an argument. They're trying to be aggressive. They're turning this into a race thing or a gender thing and they can immediately shut down. Or, based on the way the question was posed, they can see it as an opportunity to have a real conversation and a real dialogue. And so one of the things that I really want you to start thinking about is in the ways in which we, com we communicate, the ways in which we frame our questions, the ways in which we frame our responses to questions, not reactions, responses, and the ways in which we show up in the spaces in which we occupy and how that impacts the other people that are around us. So when it comes to difficult conversations of race or unconscious bias or performance or even layoffs and, and downsizing and restructuring within an organization where there are definite trust issues that have to be addressed and overcome, there are different conversations that must be had sooner rather than later. I understand the, the fatigue of feeling like you're always the one that has to speak up. 
I understand the fatigue of feeling like I don't want to beat my head against the wall anymore because I don't think these per- this, this person is going to receive it. I understand the fatigue that's involved in feeling that you don't want to be the spokesperson for everybody in your group, whether it's your team or your company or your division or your race or your gender or your social economic status or your background or even your college that you went to. I understand that. But difficult conversations must be had if we want to give people an opportunity to learn, to grow, to develop, and to learn how to listen. So I want you to think about it in this way, and I'm going to start giving you some some specific steps and some specific tips that I want you to consider. One, I need you to understand communication is about an exchange of information and an exchange of ideas between parties. That means it's a give and a take. You give something to the conversation, someone takes something from that, they give something to the conversation, you take something from that, and you exchange. Far too often when we're involved in what we consider to be a conversation, it's more like a speech or a monologue where only one voice, one point of view, one perspective is the one that's being put out and others are not encouraged to actually contribute. So I need you to check yourself and go through this question and asking yourself, am I contributing and am I receiving? Even if you don't agree, even if fundamentally you believe that whatever it is that they're saying has no merit, you need to be open to receiving what it is that they're saying and to considering it. And and that doesn't just mean what they're saying verbally, because each person gives cues verbally and non-verbally, body language, facial expressions. Um, if you've ever seen me or, or had a conversation with me, you know that my facial expressions have their own conversation going on because whatever is going on in my head is playing out in my face on my face. And I had to be mindful of that because sometimes when I'm processing things and I'm going through this myriad of emotions and myriad of 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 Uh, checkpoints in my head, people would take my facial expressions personally and think that I was reacting to what they were saying in a negative way when really I'm internally processing what they're saying and how and connecting that to something else that makes sense to me. So you have to be aware of all forms of cues and all forms of of communication and all forms of, of what you're saying and making sure that all of that's in alignment. Because if I say that all voices are welcome, all opinions are, are welcome, and, and everyone is, is, is equally important in their, in their perspectives. If I say that, but when someone who doesn't think like I do or look like I do or behave the way I do or have the same perspective as I do starts to talk and I turn away, I don't look at them, I don't acknowledge them, I start doing something else with my phone, all of those give nonverbal cues that what you said you value does not align with what you actually value. And so this whole, this whole process of having difficult conversations comes down to understanding that there are so many ways that people are giving out information and there are so many ways that people are taking in information. So each person receives or takes information and interprets it and processes it based on their own experiences, their perceptions, their preconceived notions, their beliefs, um, you know, what, they, what their mood is for the day. So you have to understand that we are not, we're not 
robots. We're not people. We're, we're people. We're humans. We have different things that are on our minds, and, and our brains are always processing and doing things at, you know, simultaneously different things. So you never know what's going on in somebody's mind. You never know how the conversation you're having may be triggering to them, or it may not be something they're thinking about at all. I mean, case in point, you know, when they talk about the ways that men and women communicate, and there are jokes about how, you know, men can sit there and not think about anything at all, and women are sitting over there like, okay, he's silent. What is he thinking about? What's going on? And he asks, you know, you ask the man, what are you thinking about? He says nothing. And the woman immediately goes, there's no way he can be thinking about nothing. He's thinking about what happened earlier and how I didn't do this and how I didn't do that. And, you know, and he's thinking about this conversation that we had and what happened last night. And really, the guy's thinking about nothing. Um, so you really have to get to know the people that you're communicating with. You have to have that connection with them. And you have to be able and willing to ask more probing questions and, and to go beyond the surface and, and look beyond what you think is there because a lot of times our brains fill in gaps that we need to ask questions to get more information to fill in. And so this is an exchange of information between parties. That means you're giving out, they're taking in, they're, they're, taking, they're giving out, you're taking in. And because that exchange is happening, we have to be very mindful of what we're putting out and be very mindful of what we're taking in. And so the, the second thing I want you to think about is that, you know, most people, unfortunately, listen to respond instead of listening to understand. And in particular, when you're having di difficult conversations, and, and there are more of these difficult conversations that are being had, and, and, and social media is, is an awesome tool to connect people, but it gives people a certain level of an anonymity and when people feel that they are not sitting in front of someone that they can see and they can feel and they can touch, they have a tendency to react without thinking about how their words are going to impact the person on the receiving end of them. So we don't, you know, we, we have these knee-jerk reactions, but we need to start tempering our reactions and instead listen to be able to respond. That means that you are getting you know, giving, getting so much more information in and, and starting to ask more questions. So if you find yourself thinking about what you're going to say next, then you're not focused on understanding. If you're, if you're starting to think and roll your eyes and say, you know what, I've already heard this, this makes no sense to me, why are we talking about this again? You're not listening to understand. Even if the perspective or the argument or the, 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 the points that they're making are things that you have heard time and time again, you haven't heard it from them. You don't know what differences, what different perspectives they bring to the table. You don't know what experiences they've had that may shape and inform a different way of you seeing what's going on. So when I talk about there being an art and a science and a psychology to communication, that there's style and substance. Yes, there's a way to say things along with what is being said. So you need to repeat what someone says to, to validate that you heard them, to, to make them understand that, yes, I did hear what you said. You need to ask more probing questions. Yes, no questions are not probing. Asking a why question is not probing. When you ask someone why, you put them on the defensive. 
And the answer to why is because. Doesn't evoke an, an, an extremely detailed response. So when you think about the art of questioning, you, you ask things like, what is it about this situation that makes you feel this way? Or what is it about this situation that makes you say this? Or what is it about this particular set of actions that would lead you to believe? You know, framing it in ways where it's not a personal attack, it's not seen as a personal attack, and it's not seen as something that you are using to judge or unfairly categorize the person in front of you. And then I think the most important part of understanding, you know, listening to understand as well instead of listening to respond, is that we have to become very comfortable with embracing the silence. Most people can't stand it being silent. They have to have the TV on or the music or when there's a conversation, if there's a lull. You know, it may be that some people need time to process So if you're having a conversation with someone and you're explaining something and they don't immediately respond, don't think you have to fill that gap. You know, it's okay to allow there to be some silence because some people need time to process things. Their brains get overwhelmed, their minds get overwhelmed, and they can't make those connections. So when you are communicating with someone, it's very, it's it's actually welcome. For you to say, if you need time to process, and I do this a lot, you know what? You made a very interesting point. Give me a second to kind of process that and and mull that over in my head because I want to make sure I understand exactly where you're coming from before I give you a response. Doing something as simple as that goes a long way in one, not making the other person feel uncomfortable, and two, making sure that you are given the space that you need in order for you to process it properly and, and understand it. And then the final thing that I want to, to, to talk to you about is you, we have to realize that conversations, especially difficult conversations, is they're all about context. They're all about connecting what's being said to something else. As human beings, the way our brains work is that we connect things all the time. We're always connecting something that happens with something that we know with the past experience because the way our brains work is in order for us to understand things, our brains need to connect it to something we already know so that it can make a determination of where to put this. Do we discard it? Do we put this in something that's an immediate threat? Do we put this in something that we need to learn, that we need to take on and absorb? Where does this information go? And so a lot of times when we're having conversations with people, if we don't provide a context that they can connect to and they can relate to, then we're going to run into issues with them understanding us and being open and willing to communicate with us. So if you're having a difficult conversation about, you know, in the example I gave, someone feeling valued and someone feeling as as if their voice is not being heard, you have to understand the context of that. In your context, that may have never been the case and you have no idea how anybody could ever feel that way. But in their context, in their past experience, this may be a trigger to another time when they weren't valued. This may be a trigger to another time when they felt as if their voice wasn't heard. This may be a trigger to another position that they held where they were supposedly a part of the team, but they were never included. So you have to understand that you know, you can't take on communication just for the sake of communicating. It's pointless. 
just spouting out your views and what you think and, and how you think things should go without providing a common ground and a common way of connecting with people doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. That's why you end up having pointless meetings. That's why you end up having conversations with people that you have to have over and over again. That's why you feel as if doing whatever it is that you're doing is beating your head against the wall. That's why when we talk about and we share our stories and our perspectives and our backgrounds and our experiences, we get so much more from the people that we are communicating with. I have been someone that until recently has very, very, very sparingly shared my story, shared my journey, shared my hardships, shared my, my, my experiences and how I got to this point and, and the things that have shaped my, my way of thinking and my way of being and my way of doing and why I'm passionate about the things that I'm passionate about. And I found that when I started sharing my story and I started sharing my experience from a personal perspective, other people were able to connect. They were able to establish that context. They were able to relate because their brain said, oh, I had a similar experience, or I remember feeling this way, or I remember you know, my friend who had that experience and how I felt watching her or him go through that. We have to provide context. We have to provide connection. And you need to be able to connect the dots in order to build a scaffold, to hook new information to. Our brains don't take outside information that is not connected to anything and and retain it. So if you're constantly having to retrain employees or if you're constantly having to express yourself again and again and again and tell somebody something again and again and again, that means that there's nothing that they're connecting it to. That's why it's not sticking. So you need to start thinking about what can I connect this to? How can I provide context so that people will be able to take this and apply it and connect it to something that resonates with them? And communication only happens when the other party is absorbing what's being said. And let me say that again. True, effective communication only happens when the other party is absorbing what's being said. If no one's absorbing anything, if no one's connecting to anything, if no one is is internalizing anything, you're not communicating. You're just spouting out words. And so many times we spout out words based on what we already think and what we already know and what we think we know to validate our own points, to validate our own perceptions, to validate our own beliefs, that we miss the opportunity to truly have a teachable moment, to truly learn from other people, to truly receive from other people. And so we need to start thinking about if you're constantly saying, but they won't listen, then start thinking about how are you communicating? What are you saying? How are you establishing a context? How are you establishing connection? How are you helping them to make meaning out of what is being said and what is being shared? Because until there is some meaning going on, until there's an exchange of ideas, until both of you walk away having been enriched in some way, then you're not having a true conversation. You're not truly communicating. 
So when you go back to scenarios where you have, you know, the round table breakouts and people say, share your thoughts and you, you're, you're the one that rolls their eyes or you think other people roll their eyes and say, okay, we're going through another exercise in futility. What are you there for? What are you trying to bring to the table? And what are you open to receiving from the other people around you? Difficult conversations about race, about equity, about diversity, about inclusion, about performance, about layoffs, about relationships, about the, the way you work, about what your expectations are. Conversations in general require communication, which requires connection. You cannot have a conversation without connecting to the other person. There's no way to do it. And so when we start looking at our workspaces and our teams and the ways that we work and collaborate, we have to lay a basic foundation. We have to create safe spaces for people to be able to communicate and contribute in ways that validate and that celebrate who they are. We have to communicate and contribute in ways that say that what you say, what you say matter. We have to allow spaces for that. And I know I have some people in the peanut gallery that are rolling their eyes and saying, we don't have time for that. We have things to do and things to accomplish and we have things that, you know, work that has to get done. And this isn't a, a touchy-feely environment. This is a place of business and there's nothing personal about business. Well, I beg to differ because unless you work in a, in a scenario where there are nothing but robots, everything is personal about business because you're dealing with people and people make things personal all the time. So whether you like it or not, you have to accept the fact that whenever you're communicating with someone, whenever you are working with someone, whenever you are interacting, engaging, and, can, and, and, and intersecting with other people, it's always going to be personal. And if you find yourself saying, but they're not listening, or you're the one that's saying, I don't feel that I'm being heard. Think about it. If someone's saying to you all the time, you're not listening. That's a red flag because that means that one, you're not connecting to what they're saying. And two, you're not making them feel as if you're connecting to what they're saying. Everyone wants to feel validated. Everyone wants to feel important. Everyone wants to feel as if they matter. And a part of the art, science, and psychology of communication, the style and the substance, is making sure that people feel and know that they matter, that their voices matter, that the information that is being conveyed is done in a way that connects with people enough to compel action. It's not all about you. It's about the person you're trying to communicate with. It's not all about what you want. It's about the people that you are connecting with. It's not solely about what's in it for you. It's about how can we come together to make this better for everyone. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mindset to Mastery. I am Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes through strategic planning, talent development, 
and Applied Learning. You can find out more about us on our website at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com. Our podcast comes out weekly on Thursdays where it is syndicated on milehighradio.com and then available on our website at carsgroup.com. We look forward to hearing your questions and your responses to this and, and, and how it resonated with you and how it assisted you in, in navigating the spaces of your work as well as navigating the spaces within your personal relationships. If you have a question that you would like me to consider to, to talk um, about on the show, please send me, um, drop me an email or, or contact me through the site. I look forward to hearing about your successes. I look forward to helping you navigate your challenges. And most of all, I look forward to assisting you in your journey and your process of changing your mindset so that you can master your success. Until next time, make it a great one.